3: Well, good evening, and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendez. On this week's show, we will of course be looking back at the win at Forest Green Rovers in midweek and ahead to Saturday's trip up to Derby County. And I want to say a special welcome to all of you who are joining us on our first ever live stream uh, on YouTube. The show will now be going out twice a week live here on our YouTube channel. Of course, we'll still release it as an audio-only podcast as well afterwards, but you'll be able to watch us twice a week interact live with the show like the good old days uh, as well. So you're all more than welcome to join us live Send your comments in uh, via the little comment box on YouTube there as well. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to, to doing this a bit more often. So joining me on our first ever live uh, YouTube uh, stream. Uh, first up in the
4: bottom right, Mr. Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan? Living the dream, mate. Same old, oh, different day. Another point on the yeah. board, all free.
3: Oh, excellent stuff. Also joining us, bottom left, Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Very excited to be able
5: to see your beautiful faces again.
3: Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, and uh, finally uh, joining us, top right, is uh, Mr. Lewis. Cat, how are you doing, Lou?
6: Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. How are you?
3: Yeah, excellent. I am excellent. Thank you all uh, for joining us. So as I say, welcome to everyone uh, who's joining us in the uh, the live stream and the comments in the bottom corner as well. Uh, SNC Davin has been waiting just under 11 hours in the, uh, in the YouTube page. Uh, so you're more than welcome. Everyone who's listening on the podcast as per usual as well. Um, don't forget to have a look at our YouTube page. You can subscribe to our channel. It's at Charlton Live on uh, YouTube. but You can still get the pods in the usual place as well if you like to listen, for example, while you're driving uh, or anything like that. So on this week's show, as I said, we'll be looking back at that game against Forest Green Rovers. We're going to hear, of course, from the Addicts boss, uh, Dean Holden. We're going to hear from the Addicts goalkeeper, Ashley Maynard uh, Brewer, uh, as well. We've got your messages. We want your one-word reviews of that performance. So put your one-word reviews either into the comment box or tweet us at Charlton Live or email us studio at UK. After the break, we will try and get our head around what's going on with the TakeOver Uh, So far this week, it's been another strange one, if we're being honest. Uh, And then we will look ahead to the game with uh, Derby. We're going to hear from uh, Dean Holden once more. And we're going to hear from Callum uh, from Rams Talk as well. So in midweek, we made the way uh, up to Gloucestershire to face Forest Green Rovers. Our first ever competitive fixture against them. Let's have a listen to what happened. This is the highlights from Charlton TV.
1: Further right into the Forest half. Look looking to take on his man, and he has done, he's gone past Robson. Still Saki heading towards the penalty area, ball across, on his side deflection, and buried! By Corey Blackett-Taylor, from virtually the penalty spot, lovely move down the right-hand side, what a ball to pick out. Saki who cut inside, sprinted past Robson, ball into the box, just deflected into the path of Blackett-Taylor, who buried it. And Charlton have the lead.
4: Well, what a run from Raksaki. Robson had no chance against him, that pace. And what I was just saying just now about getting players in the box, Joan had three, almost four in there this time. to deflects nicely to Blackett Taylor, can't really miss. But Joan had given Forest Green those warning signs just now. They had three or four crosses that didn't find the men. Perhaps there wasn't enough players in the box, but that time a brilliant run from Raksaki. Maybe John get a little bit lucky with the way it deflects to Blackett Taylor. There's no chance he was missing it, but brilliant from Raksaki on that Ryan side. Maybe they expected him to cut inside onto his left. He went straight down the line, ball across and Blackie Taylor's on hand to score.
3: So there we go. The goal from Corey Blackett Taylor, his sixth of the campaign. The good work from Jez Raksaki uh, to set it up. But that clearly doesn't sell the uh, the whole story of the game, Nath. Um, that second half, <laughs> goodness me, that was, uh, we certainly made hard work of that one. Let's put it that way.
4: Yeah, we did, to be fair. And that's exactly what I said on Twitter on Tuesday night. It was a bit laboured and made hard work of it, which is a shame, really, because I thought we started really well. Um, Moved the ball quickly. Um, And then, yeah, second half, we came out and just played into their hands a little bit. We didn't quite pedestrian. Steve Brown said it after the game summed up really well. We just went back to what we was doing on the Saturday. Um, And, yeah, we were clinging on a little bit and... If we were playing a better opposition who could actually score, I think we would have lost that game. If they did, if we ended up drawing out that game, I don't think we could have actually grumbled at it. I don't think we deserved the, the three points in full. So, but listen, it was one of those games. You knock it on the head, um, and then we go again on Saturday. Uh, but three points is the main thing. But yes, disappointing second half.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll try and take the positives out of it, Tom. In the First 20 minutes we I thought we were very good and and you know Jez Raksaki once again proving what handful for years to defenses in this division. it was ironic really because I read the the pre-match interview with Duncan Ferguson, Duncan disorderly and he um he, he had highlighted Jez Saki as one they were going to try and double up on and keep quiet, but after 12 minutes he, he looked very stupid
5: yeah it's not the first time that Jez has done that to a club is it he's um yeah basically been our shining light. Um, since since coming in on loan and I think we said on Sunday show it was important once again that we bounce back. I don't think we've gone two straight defeats. So I think we've won every time after a loss under uh, Dean Holden and it was important we did that again and I think Fleetwood were the best team in the world so it was disappointing to lose that game but you go in against Forest Green you think this is one that we, we ultimately have to win and uh, yeah, the important thing was to get the three points. I don't know how many we've won away this season but it's not a lot Uh, so to get the win was the only important thing obviously those who traveled up to the game are obviously going to want us to to see us put on a show as well Um, but I think probably for a lot of people it was a case of ticking off the ground probably for a lot of people and and getting the three points and we did both those things so uh yeah ultimately that's the most important thing but we do need to improve performances and, and ultimately we can't be that reliant on somebody like Jez who isn't going to be here next year so um yeah, there's obviously work to do long term, but but short term in a season where we don't look like we're going anywhere. Then, uh, as Nave said, it's three it's points on the board, which is the most important thing at the moment.
3: Yeah, I mean, as Paul asks in in the comments there on YouTube, Lewis, what would we have done without Jez Saki this season, top scorer? Um, you know, it's it's bizarre to think around the time that the January window was coming up and there was rumours he might leave the club. Um, there were some at that time who were quite happy he wouldn't have been that bothered. But I think since he's got his scoring touch back as well, we've seen just how vital he is to this side.
6: Yeah, 100%. I mean, with Jez, he's impressed me really since he's come in. And I think he's probably been a victim of his own early success in that he's still very young as well. And I I just think there's still that raw ability in him that he is going to make mistakes and maybe his decision making isn't always going to be right. That comes with playing the game a lot more. It's his first professional loan and a goal return of nine goals so far is no mean feat at all. Um, I'm just grateful we didn't go back in January. would have been a disaster if we'd have lost him because you take his goals out the side, but not just his goals, his creativity and his assists as well. And it's a completely different story for us this season. So, look, we, we do need to... It's something we need to address, as Tom said, because he's not going to be here next season. Um, well, it's very unlikely that he will be. So we are going to lose those goals as we head into the summer and we prepare for next season. So we do need, that's obviously a target that we need to, you know, position we need to target quite early on. But, you know, I'm delighted for him because as you say, there were a few doubters in January and there were maybe 50-50 split of, oh, if he, if he goes back, will we be that bothered, etc. I personally would have been. Um, so I'm very glad to see that, that he was able to stay here and he looks like he's enjoying his football. And, and I imagine as a young player, that's the most important thing. And, if he's contributing like he is and he's becoming the key player that he is for us, that must be doing his confidence the world of good. And if he does get a championship loan or something next season, then the experience of this campaign for us is only going to benefit him.
3: Mm, And as Dan says in the comments without Jez and Corey Blackett out Taylor uh, up front, we have uh, nothing that that needs a huge uh, improvement. I mean, we we also had absolutely nothing other than probably that, that first 20, 25 minutes, Nathan. I mean, what, can you put your finger on what, what changed? I mean, obviously, it took until probably the last 15 minutes for Forest Green to start really creating chances, but I, I I couldn't really put my finger on why we looked so lacklustre after after what had been a really good opening stage.
4: I think it was complacency, perfect. to be honest with you. I thought we had, we was doing everything right. We They couldn't handle us. You know, their left back couldn't really handle Jez. Um, and I think on that what was good to see with Jez is he went on the outside instead of coming we know how good he is coming inside but him going on the outside this time showed another part of his game which is a lot lot more improved than when he first joined but I'd put it down to complacency to be honest um, we just stopped doing everything we, we did in that first half everything seemed too easy and we've all everyone's watched us all season um, it's very rare that we'll do a 90 minute job of playing really well, but we went from one extreme to the other. Um, and yeah, as we said earlier, we were hanging on a little bit, but um, we were just slow with the ball, taking too many touches and we were, we were enabling them to set. And then when we did try and get out, we found, you know, Chucks and McCauley was quite isolated because I don't know how many times we put it into Chucks, feet, but not a lot. Um, and the game was bypassing him and, they grew into the game that, and they were going to have to throw the throw the caution to the wind a little bit. And they did that. And obviously, we, with us not doing what we, we, we set out to do early doors, we only invited the pressure onto ourselves.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a bit more about Ashley Maynard Brewer and that fantastic save you made uh, when, when we hear from Ashley in a few moments' time, Tom. But uh, we saw a debut as well for, for Michael Hector. Obviously, a bit of a surprise, actually, because obviously we know he hasn't played... Uh, that often recently or at all this season haven't been without a club but um considering I didn't really know what to expect I was quite infused by his performance he got some really good blocks in on the edge of the box won a couple of headers Uh, but most excitingly it seems he can kick the ball really high and really far like John Smith um he just absolutely punted it up the pitch two or three times which was um well it's it's nice to see an old-fashioned centre-half in in a way
5: yeah he hasn't been chartified yet has he so it'll only be a matter of time before he's sticking one in in his own net or headbutting someone if Innes has anything to do with it. But you're right, he he obviously came with a bit of a a solid enough reputation. But as you say, his game time had been very limited. So we weren't sure what to expect. But it's just a a, a brief cameo to start with. But it's a positive sign. Obviously, it's against bottom of the league as well. So um, you don't want to read too much into it at this stage. But And this sound maybe sounds silly, but to have someone who can and is prepared to just get rid of it it is not a bad thing because we've seen a little bit more directness since Holden's come in. Uh, We do still try and move it around, which I think is the right thing, but at least we're trying to move it around and get forwards. And ultimately, when you've got people like Jez and like Corey, who might be able to play off the shoulder of a last defender and have some pace in behind there, uh, and Bon, who obviously loves getting offside, so if he can figure that one out and actually stay onside, then a long ball over the top from Hector might actually be worthwhile. So, yeah, it's early days, but we need some support up there. We know Innis is going to get banned again at some point. We know that we're struggling for center back. so to have another option and somebody that's a bit more reliable than perhaps a Lavelle or O'Connell is uh, is definitely a good sign.
3: Yeah, I think we might have needed an astronaut to latch onto one of those long balls from uh, from Michael Hector. Uh, but, yeah, good, good points there. Dan saying, yeah, we, we went 1-0 up and the, the players dropped off. Uh, they just looked like they thought they'd already uh, won the game, which you can't do uh, in this league. I mean, it's so it's three away wins on the spin, Lewis, which is impressive considering we'd won one all season before Dean had come in. Um, it was it was a nice trip actually. It's a weird one. Considering my my stance very much is we're going absolutely nowhere this season. I'll just try and take take the little wins where they come, and that was uh, that was a nice trip. Probably the the only trip we're going to get to Forest Green for a while because they look destined to go down. But it is nice that we're finally enjoying our away days again, hopefully more of the same on Saturday.
6: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's really important because that form was so poor, wasn't it, at the start of the season? We got the win up at Shrewsbury and, and it just never, it never kicked on to anything. We've had some decent away performances now as well, which is great because one thing we've discussed many a time on the show is it feels like our away following has just got greater, like post-lockdown. And to see those numbers travelling around the country, putting in the effort, putting in the money and the time to watch the team in a season that, as you say, probably won't really amount to anything. It's nice to see that the fans are getting rewarded for that. I mean, we took, what, over 800 or so on Tuesday night on Valentine's Day to to Forest Green. Um, probably about eight, you know, 800 other halves that probably had the hump <laughs> after that. But to come back with the three points, um, you know, it's good. And we needed it as well because of the performance at, at Fleetwood, um, at home to Fleetwood on Saturday, sorry we needed to bounce back and we we haven't always had that this season we've we've had a defeat and then we've never really been able to recover and, and kick on and try and bounce back and we've done that now um and we're going to go into a really big game um you know against derby on saturday another away game which i think now looking at it we go into it with a lot more confidence given where our away form is now than where it was earlier on in the season. So, you know, we're, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that we're we're starting to put in these performances away because, yeah, we we deserve it. You know, the numbers we take away, it's nice to see people rewarded for it.
3: Excellent stuff. Right, well, let's hear what Dean Holden had to say after the game. This is what happened when I spoke to him uh, by the tunnel at Forest Green Rovers. In here at Forest Green, it wasn't all plain sailing, but you got over the line in the end.
0: Yeah, it was a good way, interesting way to put it, Louis. I think, I think for 20 minutes we were... Would... As good as we've been since I come into the job, I mean, we we passed the ball excellently but we were patient and we waited for the spaces to open up but we were playing with purpose, we were running in behind and we were playing forward in behind the opposition back line and getting our wingers into the game and they couldn't really live with us and I think if I'm being, if I'm being brutally honest, I think the players maybe thought it was, it was a bit too easy for them at that time, we, you know, a little bit of carelessness crept in at that point, sort of 20-25 minutes in. Hitting long balls, we didn't need to hit, leaving them short. They were, you know, counterattacking on us without really hurting our goal. But there was certainly a bit of a change of momentum, and you know, we should have been out of sight really with the way that we dominated the game early. And then, you know, so even the second half, we come out dominant. Again, we didn't we didn't run in behind and playing behind them anywhere near enough in that second half. And we were we were fishing little balls into midfield, and, and they were trapping us. And again, Ash has not had a great deal to do, in fairness. But I meaning the one save he has had to make from the from the corner, uh, is an outstanding save and. Um, you know, it's not an easy place to come, to be fair. They're you know, the bottom of the league, but you know, they're fighting for everything and it's, it's a bit of a lively pitch. So, overall, you as I say, you don't turn your nose up at three points anywhere, certainly, but you know, there's certainly lots of work to do. You try and take that as a positive, I guess, that that
3: amount of pressure they put on in the final, in the closing stages, that Chuck were able to, to hold on.
0: I mean, we you have to credit to the players. They throw themselves at things. The, the, the amount of blocks that we put in is, 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 out, is there for all to see, but again, there's probably too many of them needed, I think, for the for the amount of action in and around our goal towards the end of the game it shouldn't really be needed if, you know, if we take control earlier and we get that second goal or we certainly take control in terms of playing in their half. So, you know, we played into their hands, but we got away with it. We didn't get away with a 1-0. We won the game. One 0 But, you know, as I say, there's certainly a lot to look back on um and to improve going into these next two you know, big games, obviously, Derby and uh, Sheffield Wednesday.
3: You mentioned uh, the save from, from Ashley Maynard Brewer as well. And again, for a, a game where he didn't actually have a great deal to do, again, to still be alert to make a stop like that. was Yeah, I think
0: there's, there's the, the breakaway, isn't there, when he, <clears throat> the boy gets on the inside assess and Ash comes charging out the boy squares it, he just misplaces his pass. That was a, a tricky moment for us. And yeah, I mean, we've worked hard on set pieces. We need to improve on them. We looked actually better tonight in terms of the organisation, the boys on the pitch, decision-making was better. Yeah. But that, that one, obviously, he ended up getting header on it. But it's some save I have to say. Yeah,
3: yeah but to get getting um, Michael onto the pitch for his debut towards the end, and I mean, he made one good block on the edge of the box, a couple of proper John Smith-style clearances as well. <laughs> too, quite enjoyable. It was um, a, a decent start for him. Yeah,
0: he's proper, innit? He? He's a he's a proper proper centre back. Great communicator. He'll defend when he needs to. He can play as well with the ball at his feet. But uh, he came in, much needed experience, and uh, that's a real positive for us. I have to say, and obviously to get Chucks 70, 70 minutes minutes so on the back of half an hour at the weekend again, he's a, he's a bonus.
3: Yeah, I was going to ask about Chucks because obviously it's it's probably considered a risk at times to start him but is he in a, a place at the moment where he can he can start games do you think consistently or, or now and then or?
0: well I think we had a decision to make sort of four weeks ago on the back of the, his late withdrawal in the warm-up at Portsmouth um, he'd been sort of training for a few days and then there's always a game around the corner and he weren't really building up any any conditioning so we took a decision to really give him a mini pre-season for sort of three and a half weeks uh, he's played a 21s game um, he's obviously had half an hour at the weekend and yeah I was comfortable starting him and no, I don't think he had a lot of the ball in the first half, but certainly he was doing a good job in terms of occupying two centre backs with his with his brute strength, and it was allowing spaces on the pitch for the midfielders to, to take control of the game. So, no, that's a real positive.
3: At six goals now for Corey. that's his most prolific season in his career. That's something he's needed to add to his game, but he certainly seems to have improved his, his end product this season. Is that something you feel like since you've come into the club?
0: I would not I would not take any credit for it. I think in terms of his his positioning, I think yeah, where he scores his goal from, he's he's doesn't just happen by chance. You know when Jez Opens up the uh the pitch with his magical feet and he gets on the outside of their fullback and once he's driving towards goal, you know you see too many modern wingers nowadays who were stood outside the back post or they stood on the edge of the box wanting it to drop to it a worldy in the top corner and we need our wingers getting in at the back post to get the face cut to score or whatever it was. And he's arriving, his timing was excellent and uh yeah, good finish.
3: Two more questions because I see you cold. Um, first of all, excellent support on a, on a Tuesday night a long way from home. Yeah.
0: Uh, outstanding i think a thousand or so have travelled up um brilliant support again getting right behind the players at a time when we when we need them i'm sure they'll be looking forward to going um to pride park on saturday and yeah i said i think we maybe need to get them on some dating websites because a thousand <laughs> Uh, coming up on Valentine's Day, he's uh, he's a great achievement. Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and finally, I mean, we, we've seen twenty four hours. has been a long time in football, especially at Charlton this week. I know you spoke to Rich yesterday. But is there any update you can give about yourself or about what's going on? Have you spoke to Thomas recently? I know he's not in, not in the UK, but no, he's,
0: Tom, Thomas is obviously away in yeah. Denmark for his, for his mother's funeral. Yeah. So, um, no, we exchanged uh, messages before the game. I just actually got a message from him there after the game, which was which was which was good. So, no, there's no there's no update.
3: There we go. That's Dean Holden uh, speaking after the win, uh, Forest Green Rovers uh, in midweek. Obviously, uh, I mean, we'll come on a little bit more to his future and and, and what will follow uh, when when we come to talk about the takeover in a few moments' time. But um, yeah, he's clearly clearly pleased with what he's seeing at the moment, Lewis. And uh, yeah, you can't blame him for that. That it's good that he's not accepting overall what was pretty probably a, a poor performance. It's good that he, he sort of um, paid reference to that.
6: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think what I like about Dean is he comes out and he speaks well, but he always speaks honestly. He doesn't try and dress things up. Um, you know, if a if a performance isn't quite there and we still get the points like we did on Tuesday night, then he won't come on and praise how well we played. He'll he'll you know, admit if we've not been at it, which as we say in the second half we definitely weren't. But it just feels like he's brought in this this refreshing approach from from every aspect, you know, the fact that he's been linked to other jobs of late and the reaction of that and obviously the ongoing saga with who's going to be the owner of the club and what that means for his future, the sort of immediate protection around Dean Holden and, and fans really sort of warming to him very quickly. I think he's he's brought something really special to the football club. It feels like everyone's pulling in the same direction for, you know, despite where we are in the season, it, it feels a positive, you know, on the pitch to be following Charton at the moment, which is great. And you know we've got to take the belief that he's putting in into the rest of the games of the season and and as he said um in the South London press today he doesn't think the season's dead you know he thinks the season's still alive and and he's not ruling out the playoffs regardless of your of your graph which probably is There's more no, got a graph to
3: show him, haven't I <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah
6: he needs to see that um but you know he's got to inspire he's got to inspire the players to push for something you know we don't want the season to be dead otherwise the interest dwindles so um yeah we've just got to keep doing what we're doing at the moment and try and keep picking up points because you know, it's, it's enjoyable, as I say, at the moment to, to follow them, especially away from home. So, got to keep mm. it up. Uh,
3: Dudley said he thinks that most teams look fitter and stronger than us. We seem to fade after 25 minutes or, or half an hour of games. Is that something you picked up on this season, Nath?
4: No, I haven't really, no, but it's a good point. Um, as soon as I read it, I, was, I did sit there and wonder. I wondered if it was, could it be due to the fact at the beginning part of the season we had a lot of the ball, so we weren't really chasing the ball very much. I know we didn't, didn't do a lot with it um, earlier in the season, but it could be a point. I don't know. But I think, with, um, I think with Dean Holden, if he gets a pre-season, I think they'll be doing plenty of running, put it that way. But it, I suppose all different managers like different things. I don't know if Ben Garner was one to, I mean, they went out on pre-season and would have done fitness um, regimes and stuff like that. But, it could be if, if that's an observation that's made that's a good point um i haven't actually noticed it but i think most of the time we we shoot ourselves in the foot um a lot whether that's mistakes or we just drop our standards which obviously tuesday was evident of that but that's a good point um but i'll, be, I'll definitely be looking out for that on the on the weekend for sure
3: mm, yeah i mean daniel's saying that we need to get crosses into the box earlier 99% of the time it's head. Uh, for the line, uh, the byline and have across the shot, we need to mix it up, uh, bring others uh, into the game. Bob's saying that big heck is exactly what we've been missing all season. they no nonsense centre half. We certainly could have done a f- with a few of those when we were busy uh, passing it around the back at times uh, th- this week. Um, or this season, I should say, Tom, that's been frustrating. Daniel says he thinks um, Washington would have worked better in a two, but someone else was saying above Luke said he thought Washington would have worked well in that three with Jez and Corian. Would you, would you have seen him fitting into that? Role. We've seen him play that lone striker a couple of times when he was here and I don't think he would have worked that well. I tend to agree with Dan that it probably would have been better if he was still here in a two but it's it certainly I think when Miles is out, I think we are lacking up top because Chooks, when he started the game, wasn't really that involved and Macaulay Bond is unfortunately still Macaulay Bond.
5: For me, I just think we would have been better if Washington was still here. It's as simple as that and I agree with, with Daniel that I think he worked better in a two that's for sure but I think just having him as an option would have been better than not having him. Um, and if he had been still here, then maybe Stockley would still be here as well because they would be in a two and they would be doing well. But obviously, that's not what Ben Garner wanted to do. Obviously, we've seen the emergence of Lee Burns. So there have been positives to him not being here. But I just think overall, I think his uh, his contribution last season was, I don't know if it was underrated as such, but the reason to get rid of him at least was was a strange one. And I know perhaps it was more to do with perhaps off the pitch than on. But... I think what he offers in terms of his work rate, in terms of his chasing down and in terms of his leading from the front was was huge. And we've not really had someone like that since. Like Jaden, not quite move enough. Bond likes to do it, but not quite fit enough. Uh, And the likes of Jez and Corey obviously have to do a little bit going backwards as well. And that's not really their game. So yeah, I think there's been a bit of a Washington-shaped hole in this side all season, sadly. And and we've never really replaced that. And I I think we've been struggling for an identity since then. And that that hasn't been helped by the manager change mid-season as well.
3: Mm, yeah so it's uh, something we've had to deal with a lot recently right uh, don't forget we still want your one word reviews of the win at forest green rovers we're going to come to those in a few moments time but now let's hear from ashley maynard brewer the addicts uh, stopper made a superb save late on uh, from that close range header to preserve all three points and i caught up with him after the game at forest green rovers the win here at forest green um, sort of backs to the walls at the end there but got over the line in the end
7: yeah, I think uh, a great result against tricky opponents. Uh, obviously, they're not, they are not don't have a great league position, but uh, we know when it's 1-0, they're going to throw the kitchen sink. Um, they're fighting to, to stay up, and these games are tricky. So for us to see out what is a really good result is is uh, really important.
3: Yeah, we could feel that that pressure building in the closing stages and, and those chances started coming, particularly, of course, the, the header from the corner, which you must have seen late, but you got down to really well.
7: Yeah, uh I think uh, these games are quite tricky didn't have uh, too much to do but I know that yeah when there was last 15-20 uh, yeah they were going to get one or two moments so just yeah made sure that I was switched on and luckily made the save yeah
3: and uh, with, with that pressure building in the second half as you say you didn't actually have to make too many saves so your defence in front of you uh, were, were throwing in blocks particularly on the edge of the box as well so you must have been pleased as a, as a unit with the, the, the display
7: yeah, yeah I think uh, we haven't kept enough clean sheets this season so for us to to see out yeah, a good result put lots of blocks in um, yeah it was, was really important uh, there was a few, few changes but uh, to the back four but um, yeah did really well
3: Yeah, What do you think changed in the game because Charlton obviously started really on, on the front foot got the goal early Jez was causing havoc down this side Corey on that side but sort of after 25 30 minutes Forest, seen, Forest Green seemed to sort of come back into the game what do you think was the catalyst for that? Uh,
7: I'm not too sure I th- I think uh, yeah, towards the latter stages of a game, you're always going to get a bit out of pressure. Um, I think being 1-0, it's always a bit tricky. pitch was tricky and we couldn't uh, play the football we wanted. But yeah, like I said before, great to see it out. Yeah,
3: and uh, a big three points as well. So it's, it's five wins from, from seven. It's a good little run that Charlton are on. I guess you know, whether it's, it's coming too late or not is, is still up for debate. But it's a, it's a good bit of form that Charlton are on now.
7: Yeah, I and mean, there's still lots of football to be played. So if we maintain our standards and, and keep this going, uh, hopefully by the end of the season we can be in amongst those those playoff spots. Yeah.
3: How are you enjoying your time between the sticks? Obviously now with, with JJ back as well, that's that's added pressure with the club number one sort of creeping up behind you. It's going to sort of drive your your performances
7: to try and keep at the level you've been at over the last few weeks, I guess. Uh, yeah, of course it's been great having him back. He's uh, yeah been back now for a few weeks and lovely guy and trains really hard. So. Yeah, of course, there's a bit of added pressure, but I uh, just want to yeah keep playing, keep maintaining my standards, and uh, yeah.
3: How, how important was it um, to have Ryan in the side today? Obviously, after his, his red card was clearly wrong on, on on Saturday, to get that overturned, is it good to have him back playing with you?
7: Yeah, yeah, really like playing with Ryan. Uh, having Ryan since I've come in the team, it's been pretty consistent with Ryan Nessie, and I think we can understand each other pretty well. I think you can see out on the pitch, uh, both bloody love defending, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting a good run of games and consistency with them has been really important uh, with our results.
3: Yeah, I'm reacting to that setback a couple of weeks ago against Bolton as well. That like a, mix, a mix up at the back, which isn't something we've actually seen too often under Dean, but it was obviously something we saw quite a lot earlier on in, in the season, unfortunately. But how, I mean, how, when, when something like that happens, how do you sort of regroup as, as a pair of you and, and react to that, and as, as a defence as a whole?
7: Uh, I think there's a really good team culture here that if you make a mistake, it's it's not a big deal. You regroup and you and you get on with it. It's not a team where you go into the change room and you get blasted for making a, a mistake. It's uh, learn from what you did wrong and, and get on with it. And Yeah, I think that's been evident in the in the last few weeks where something's not gone perfectly, we get on with it and we respond like we did today.
3: Yeah, do, do you think there has sort of been, a, obviously since Leeds comes in, there's been a bit of a change in mentality with how often we perhaps hold on to the ball at the back and that's sort of taken the pressure off some of the mistakes that we're seeing earlier on in the season?
7: Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, the gaffers come in, yeah, emphasise doing the basics right and, and being a team that's hard to beat. So uh, whether that's uh, yeah meant a change in how we play, uh, I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, the results, I guess, speak for themselves recently.
3: Yeah. And just lastly, obviously, Derby coming up on, on Saturday would be a very different test to here in many ways. Obviously, Derby are flying... Um, it's a very different stadium to, to hear, of course um, looking forward to that one to, to try and test yourselves against a, a side like them
7: yeah of course I think we know if we want to be up in the playoff spots we have to beat teams like that um, yeah obviously it's going to be a different test but we've had some really good results this season against uh, some big teams so yeah let's hope uh, for a good result is, is
3: there still belief that the playoffs are achievable amongst the, the squad
7: yeah I think so I think uh, like I said there's lots of football to be played and uh, yeah, five wins from seven. Uh, yeah, we maintain our standards and, yeah, I think we can push to, to those spots.
3: There we go, Ashley Maynard Brewer, another man who needs to look at my graph. Um, I, I, I think if we if we were to make the playoffs out of our last 16 games, we'd have to win probably 11 minimum. <laughs> that's, that, that's to give you an idea of where we need to be. But if we keep up the form we've had over the last few weeks, then we'd get there. But obviously... Um that, that would be somewhat remarkable. Right, I did ask for your one-word reviews uh, of the uh, win at Forest Green uh, Rovers. Paul Davis uh, went for Panglosian because we, well, we inadvertently brought that, that, that word back into public conscience after last week as well. So I really can't remember what it means now. Uh, Dobson, the Essex Polo said it was forgettable. Lee said it was uh, tedious. David Young said it was remote. Yeah, Forest Green Rovers was absolutely in the middle of nowhere, uh, up a really big hill as well. Robert said it was gritty. Uh, Matt said it was lucky Uh, Muzzer said it was (laughs) non-Panglosian and Andy uh, said it was tortuous so yeah plenty uh, of your conversations as well Paul Glover says the playoffs are done and I agree with him Callum saying that we're going to end up ninth Uh, no investment means means we're going to be here uh, for a long time and then finally Jonathan West from the Upbeat says hello I hope you're well Jonathan I hope you are enjoying the show right we're going to have a little break here on Charlton Live Uh, when we come back we will have a little chat about what's been going on
6: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Cullen, trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across, Bowers there, Passes there, Bauer with a header, and it's yes! Oh, it's done! Oh, Oh, it's in. It's in. oh, oh Patrick Moore. You absolute
3: German beauty! Dreamland! Charlotte has scored with seconds remaining. We've done it too. Get in! Come on! What That's a time to be here at right?
1: Wembley! Oh my word! Oh my, oh, my God. word! Live.
3: Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. Don't forget this is our first ever live stream uh, on YouTube as well. So if you're listening back to the pod in your usual places after the event, maybe have a look on Sunday and see if you want to try and join us live uh, on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is just at Charlton Live. We're going to be on live uh, probably about 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, I should imagine. Uh, when we look back at the Derby game, we'll have, of course, reaction from the manager, Dean Holden, and hopefully a player if we win as well. Uh, and we'd love your reaction as well, so make sure you get involved in the live comments. Or you can email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk, or you can tweet us at Charlton Live. So let's try and work out what on earth's been going on with a takeover this week, shall we? So at the start of the week, um, Charlie Meffin. Uh, was on BBC Radio London threatening uh, legal action against Thomas Sangard. Seems to be some sort of argument over when the period of exclusivity between the Sangard group and and Mevan's mob um, ended and then Sangard started speaking to someone else. So Charlie seems to be arguing that it had uh, not ended when he, uh, when he was hawking the club to other people. Uh, Sangard seems to be arguing the opposite of that. Um, since then, we've also heard that Uh, There's some American chap, Mark Spiegel, who's been named as someone who's interested in coming in and buying the club. We know nothing about him at the moment in time. We know nothing about what he's going to bring to the table, Uh, but we have seen Peter story coming in as the the CEO, former West Ham uh, and Portsmouth chap. um, Oversaw Portsmouth going into administration and was arrested during his time at the, uh, at the club. So yeah, great news, Tom uh, excited for the future. What have you made of it all?
5: Not going to have much of a future. Are we? Um, No, no is the the short answer. We obviously did the show on Sunday uh, and talked a little bit about it and then it's all kicked off more this week. But no, the Peter Story one I find very confusing. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but what I do read about him, I certainly don't like. So that worries me. Um, I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence, and we touched on this on Sunday's show, although we didn't really know too much about it then, is... The way Medan's come across since as well with his interview on, on Aaron Paul's show and, and everything, it doesn't it doesn't suggest to me that that takeover would have necessarily been to the benefit of the club. Now, I'm not saying that having Sangard still here is great either, but I wonder if we've perhaps dodged that bullet at least. Now, there's probably more bullets in the chamber flying all over the place from other other potential owners and that's obviously a risk, but sometimes it's better the devil you know and whilst I think Thomas certainly has a very clear idea of what he wants to do with the club, and it's perhaps not what we agree with. At least we know that is the case. Whereas I think with with the Mevan bid, I'm not sure we really knew or understood what we were getting. So I'm not too disappointed that they're not here, but I still think that Sangard probably shouldn't be here for for much longer. Um, But if he is going to go, then we need to find uh, a a suitable owner. And and obviously that is hard to attract at the best of times. So, no, story coming in doesn't fill me with confidence. Everything off the pitch doesn't fill me with confidence, but I'll still be there at Derby and, and focusing on the pitch or trying to at least uh, come Saturday.
3: Yeah, Jordan says, looking forward to see you all do a live stream at 10am on a Sunday after a night in Plymouth Popwell. That'll, that'll be particularly challenging for, for Nathan, of course. Um, Lewis, you, in your role away from the show as, as a fan advisor, obviously you had a chat with Thomas at the start of the week. I mean, you... you um you got confirmation from him about the uh the uh the story story uh, before uh, before the, the club even did somehow so it was in the slp then it was on the lewis cat twitter account and then it was on the club twitter account about 3 days later so you, you almost got an exclusive there but I mean, can you give us any insight into what you learned speaking to thomas obviously it's hard to take any uh, anything that anyone involved in this absolute shambles uh says with with a with with, you know, with a straight face but i mean what what did he say to you well, I, I know he's going through a difficult time personally at the moment, which probably doesn't help. But uh, did you get the uh, the idea that he is still thinking of selling? That does seem to be the case.
6: Um, it feels that way. I mean, reading into the Peter Story appointment, the fact is consultancy, to me, suggests very short term, which whether that's to study a you know, he came out and said it, there's no link between Story and um the, the American guy Mark speed. Which is
3: interesting because that's opposite to what Simon Jordan said on TalkSport yeah. today, and he claimed to have spoken to people involved in the bid. So and obviously it would make sense considering Sanguard happily let other people appoint four people, you know, under Metham including Dean Holden, the manager, and the likes of Andy Scott. So I think there's probably a reasonable assumption this Peter Story is here on the basis of someone else rather than Thomas, who to be honest, let's be honest, probably doesn't know who Peter Storey is.
6: Yeah, I mean, there is that. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, even in the role that, that myself and Lucy are in, we, we kind of take most things with a pinch of salt. I mean, we we try and get answers, you know, whether, whether those answers are, p- are perfect or, or what people want to hear. We try and put it out there because of the, the uncertainty around it all. Um, obviously, the most important thing here is that the club ends up in the right hands, you know, and with someone that's going to invest if... If Thomas has got to a point where he doesn't want to invest anymore and he doesn't want it in his hands anymore, then he needs to make sure that the sale is done sooner rather than later because I've seen in a few of the comments, like people will jump on our situation in the summer if we're still going through a takeover debacle where we'll have players whose futures will be uncertain. We have a manager whose future is very uncertain at this present time. There's a hell of a lot that needs sorting out off the field, and none of that can happen until a takeover is sorted. I agree with Tom that the the um, Methven-fronted takeover was probably not the right option, given the amount of warning and articles that we read about him that was shared by Sunderland fans. Um, Likewise, I don't know enough about Peter's story to comment, but when you see what Portsmouth fans are saying about him, that also fills you with the same worries that, that Charlie Methven did. It's, it's one of those things where it depends how much fans trust the judgment of Thomas Sangard at this stage, and I would say that they don't. So, regardless... What made you think of that? <laughs> story appointment is, is going to be controversial, regardless. Whether that's short-term and it oversees a takeover that leads us to better things, we can only hope. Um, from what Simon Jordan said on TourSport earlier, he seems to note Peter story and thinks that we're in good hands. Whether we can trust what Simon Jordan says, given his links to the, the lockdown in Surrey, remains to be seen so it's a really difficult position ultimately the football club has to come first in all of this and whatever the outcome it needs to be that the club ends up in the hands of somebody who wants it and wants to drive it forward if that's not Thomas anymore he needs to hurry up and sell it if the people coming in are serious and they need to prove they're serious early on it's such a difficult position and it's so frustrating because as I said earlier it feels like Dean Holden's brought in a real lift and not knowing if he's going to be here beyond the end of the season or really not even knowing if he's going to be here for the rest of this season you know the doubts with him being brought in with Andy Scott and and everyone else it's it's yeah it's impossible at the moment but we're just we're going to keep pushing and trying to get answers for people because it's the most the football club is more important than just a little bit of gossip and we, and we need to make sure that that it's being handled properly but whether that's the case or not you know I don't know hmm.
3: I know you love talking about the takeover naif um, but, you know, I, the one thing I will say, I've never I've never known so much legal threats being thrown around as I have over the last few years. Like, why? Why do, do, does our club attract this nonsense? Is it because we find ourselves in this vulnerable state where we don't own the ground and therefore you can probably acquire the majority of what you, you know, of, of, of what is the going concern of the club quite cheap? You know, you don't have to be a big money man to, to come in and, and buy this club because there's no real assets. It's a loss-making business. You can get your claws into it. And then, well, if if you're certain people that we saw a couple of years ago, you you have access to a lot of funds. Um, and Or if if you're not, you you might just think, I I can do something with this without risking a lot of my own capital. We seem to attract all sorts of idiots who love throwing legal threats around as well when they don't get their way.
4: Yeah. I think, like, if you look at all the other clubs that have been... um been run through the mill in recent years that it's the same sort of thing you've got a club that's struggling some worse than others and that's when you have the vulture circling you know it's just like anything in life something's dying and you've got a carcass and you're going to have them all circling around wanting a bit of the pie and all that jazz um and to be I know you said I don't like talking about it I just find it boring mate it's there's going to be another court case of something or other um don't and I think the problem is is that we I think one of the chaps said it earlier, we don't know what the next person's in, incentive is gonna be. Like are they gonna be any better? Are they gonna be worse? Are they gonna be worse than what we have and have had before? Um it's just that unknowing, you know, I have no idea what's gonna happen, how it's gonna play out. We're just sitting here in the gallery just watching it unfold. Um, and probably a, a little bit of helplessness that you, you can't really control anything and I think I think that's what hurts the most Um but I just have to mention that pod on the that bit about Popwell Blue sorry mate I've refused <laughs> to go into another I refuse to go into another nightclub that place Frozen so wherever Plymouth takes me I will not be going back into back into that Popwell because I think both of these chaps who are with me and even you might have been in there with us as well yeah I was in I think I might Frozen. have been in
3: there briefly yeah I, yeah, mate, I mean you say you say that, off, you say mate, that now you say that I'll now. be, there. Get, get, get I'll 10, be o'clock. 10 o'clock on that Saturday night. You'll be queuing. You'll be queuing up to get in. Uh, Dan's asking uh, with the stadium, is it Roland not wanting to sell it or is it people not having em- enough money to buy it? It's, pro- it's probably a bit of both. Like Roland, you know, has, has this number in his head that Matt Southall, you know, agreed to pay, which he was never going to pay. Um, of um Like in the region of £50 million, pounds, which is ridiculous. Um, so people don't have that sort of money to waste on it. But at the same time, you know, if Roland's holding on to that price and he's got quite a favourable lease now with a club paying a fair whack of money uh, every year, he's probably not that bothered about selling it. Uh, Anyway, right, that's enough of that rubbish. Anyway, let's turn our attention uh, to the trip up to Derby uh, on Saturday. Now, Dean Holden uh, had his press day earlier on today. Terry's speaking to the Addicts boss. He asked him to look ahead to that trip to Pride Park starting off. Uh, with the team news following Tuesday's game at Forest Green Rovers,
1: in in build-up to to Saturday, any uh, not especially Steven Session because sometimes he gets a flare-up after a game. Is everything okay? Yeah. It's
0: too early to say, to be honest. We're still within forty-eight hours of that game, aren't we? So we're still sort of assessing. There's one or two players that have been out and joined the group this morning. There's a few that have stayed in, so for some extra work. So I think we'll know a bit more tomorrow on that Friday morning. And the three that we've been missing, Miles uh, Mandela and Todd. How are they? How are they coping? How are they coming on? Um, so Todd's had a really good scan result in terms of it's where we expected it to be. Again, you never quite know. Um, he's been telling us that he's feeling good, so you know he's he's on track to return as we expected. Still with the physios at the moment, but that was a positive in terms of the scan. Uh, Manny actually joined the group for the first time since certainly since I've been at the club. He's been out a long time. He only did the first part of the session, and you know, all the warm up, the, the passing exercises. But having been through quite a few long longer term injuries myself, I know how important that is in in the process and the rehabilitation. So. He's been brilliant since I come to the club, man. In terms of his off the pitch um, motivation, when the players are standards, he's always in the team meetings. He's, he's he's brilliant. So good to see him with his smile back on the pitch this morning. Again, no, you know, nowhere near just yet from coming back in, but that's a nice step for him. And Miles, we're assessing Miles day to day. As I said the other night, it's very minor. Um, whether Saturday will come too soon for him, we'll we'll just have to make a call on tomorrow. I think. Cool.
1: Trip to Pride Park on Saturday. Uh, they're fifth, and uh, prior to a week ago, they had lost in fifteen and. Won nine of those, but they've just experienced the defeat and a draw in the last couple. Um, we're in our five league wins out of seven, so confidence is, is with us. Um, can that be a cause for optimism? And the last, bear in mind, the last three victories away, um, all away from home. So uh, confidence.
0: I think irrespective of the opposition, you've always got to be optimistic because anything's possible. But you have to believe it in the first place. So um, I think Paul's done a brilliant job since he's gone in there. Known him a long time. You know, Richie and Matt, his coaches are the same, um, great to see him get such a big job and, and they've grabbed it with both hands to be fair. As you say, the run they've been on has been phenomenal and it just shows you what can, can be achieved when you get that feeling of, of everybody together, the supporters. And I was there a couple of weeks ago, brilliant atmosphere for us, For you know, some of our young players are going to really relish going to Pride Park and playing in, in, a, in, a, in a really big atmosphere. Our away fans will travel well, I'm pretty certain of that, and get right behind the team, so it'll be, be a great game it shows you how big this division is in terms of some of the clubs doesn't it so uh, but you're right you know they've, they've they've lost in the cup to west ham and they've obviously they, they lost to wickham and then they drew the other night against 10 men, so it just shows you on any day you know we we beat them early in the season obviously totally different circumstances both teams had different managers then and different styles of playing etc but uh, we always got we going every game confident we've you know we've got a good group of players and if we turn up on the day and, and we're bang at it then we'll be a, there'll be a match for anyone
1: Last couple of games, um, especially, we've probably been seen as, as favourites to win the games. This Saturday, it'll probably be a different story. Dolby will probably be, uh, be tagged as the favourites. Can that work to our advantage? Does that take a little bit of pressure off?
0: You have to look to any advantage, I think, certainly mentally going into a game. I think another key thing is the pitch looks there, looks in, in really good nick as well, which um, I think suits us. I think we've obviously had some issues at the Valley this season with with the weather and everything else. The you know, pitch has been difficult, so... Yeah, that's, that's another bonus for us. I think it's a game we know what we're going to come up against. Any of these teams will be physically strong. They'll, they'll play forward, run forward, they'll test you physically. Uh, so we know where their strengths are. They've got, they've got a real good squad of players. You know he, he, It's hard to say with some of the changes he made the other night and some of his comments post-game, uh, you know exactly what team he's going to go with. So we'll, we'll be well prepared. You mentioned it already, it's going to be a 25,000
1: plus crowd probably and potential up to 2,000. Addicts travelling up to Pride Park as well. It's going to be a special atmosphere potentially and a good pitch. And so it's a game everybody should be looking forward to. Yeah,
0: I I know our supporters will be. As you said there, the last three results away from home have have been really good considering what what came before that. So everyone likes a a good trip to to an away game knowing that the team are going to turn up and do the business. So our fans will be in good voice, no doubt about that. And it's important that we go there and really believe that we can get something from the game
3: there okay, go that's dino speaking to terry uh, earlier on today um there's plenty to to talk about in terms of the game but i, I like this comment from from dan actually tom uh, he's speaking about how on tuesday derby conceded uh, a counter attack uh, from lincoln and i was speaking to to callum from rams talk and we're going to hear from him in a few moments time about he he seemed a bit nervous when i kept talking about the pace we've got with the lights of Blackett taylor and and raxaki i i can't get my head around how we're going to set up for this game because I've not seen Dean Holden take us to an away game like this yet. The only time we played like a half-decent team under Dean on the road was Portsmouth, but that's a Portsmouth team that were terrified in terms of their confidence and obviously their manager got sacked after that game. So, how how do we set up in this game? Do we go to Derby and be one of those defensive-minded away teams that really sips back? Or do we go and try and control possession a little bit more like we would have done under Bengon, Uh you know, away at Sheffield Wednesday, for example? How do you see us going into this one?
5: Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I feel like the latter. Um Obviously, Man United, we went there with, with kind of nothing to lose, but I felt like there, even, we were able to, to at times, hurt them a little bit with our pace. And Obviously, you look at the opposition there compared to the opposition on, on Saturday, and you'd say that was a lot better. So, I think we've got Innes. Um I, th- I think Lincoln went down to 10 men as well, didn't they? And, and still drew. So, when Innes gets sent off, that won't be a problem for us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like against the better teams, we're one of those teams that can sit back. I know our home record, certainly against the big or top six or seven, is very, very good. Um, I don't know about away. Obviously, Portsmouth, I, I know we haven't played Ipswich away yet um, and a couple of the others. So, so maybe they're to come. But For me, if we're going away to a big team, I don't think we should be scared of them. It's like uh, Terry said there, it's the teams where we go in as favourites that we seem to struggle against, whereas the teams in the top six or seven places, we usually go toe-to-toe with them. And So for me, it's that. It's getting Jez and Corey on the ball. It's trying to hit them on the counter, as Daniel said in the comments there. I think don't be scared of them. Uh, Don't be scared of the atmosphere. That's the sort of thing we should relish. Um, That's the sort of game we want to play ultimately week in, week out uh, in the division above. So yeah, I'd much rather go go there, see us take it to them. Um, and if we were to lose, at least we've given it a go. I think if we just try and sit back and obviously if you do nick it on the counter and you sit back and you win 1-0, it's obviously great. But I just don't think that's the way to play against this Derby side. I think we need to try and go at them and, and as you say, make them nervous.
3: Hmm. I'm, I'm looking at our sort of team selection headaches that we've got, Lewis, and I guess... Probably one of the biggest ones is up top, you know. Chuck started against Forest Green, which is very rare. Um, he, he was quiet. I mean, Dean said he felt like he occupied the defenders a little bit. mccauley has been quiet when he's started. Obviously, if Miles isn't fit enough yet, which we you know, we we just probably won't be. Um, what choice are you making if you're Dean Holden and you're looking at that front three? Because on either side of that front three, we've got two two players who are in good form, you know, particularly Jez, but Corey's getting goals scored against them. At our place, of course. Earlier on in the season, who, who who would you have lead the line in between those two?
6: It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Um, I think because of him playing Tuesday, I probably would go for for Bond because of because Chuck's playing those minutes on Tuesday. Just, um, I feel and I know it's the sort of tag that seems to be attached to him is that he's more of an impact when he comes off the bench, and I think if you start McCauley, he's kind of got a little bit of pace needs to obviously work on his on his line because he, he tends to be off quite a bit. But if we are looking to play a bit more of a, a defensive game where we try and break on the counter with the pace of of Corey and of Jez, then potentially Mac could probably be the better option for that. And then you bring on an EK with sort of, you know, half hour, 20 minutes to go, which, I mean, I'd love it if, if Chutz could play 90 minutes, but I do feel like his impact tends to come more from coming on. I thought he had more of an impact when he came on against Fleetwood Saturday. Um and then starting the game. As you say, he was quite quiet against Forest Green. Um ideally, Miles is fit, but again, we're pinning our hopes on you know on a 19 year old who's playing his first professional season. Um, if we are without him, then I think if I had to make the call right now, I'd probably go with Macaulay Bond.
3: Yeah, it's a tough one, is it? I mean any other changes you're keen to see, Nate, for this game? Like you say, with with our form on the road being good. I know Derby are a great side, but that that faltered ever so slightly. We're going to hear from Callum in a few seconds' time. But like I say, the, the winless in two, we're all right on the road. I mean, it's not it's not beyond the realms of of possibility that we could go up there and get something if 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 we choose to take the game to him, or even if it is using that, that pace on the counter attack.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of it hinges on Sess. Um, to be honest, I think if Sess's Sess's knees flared up again, I can imagine Penny coming back in. Um, I know we had a poor game against Fleetwood, but um, just to give us that little bit of balance. And also they've got Mendes-Lang, but they've got a good team. You know, they've got Hoorahain, uh, who weren't the Goldrick and Knight, who I think are championship players. Um, so I think the key is for us is just to try and get Jez and Corey 1v1 and pushing their fullbacks, really. Um, so I, I can imagine us sitting a little bit, but not too much where we're going to be inviting a lot of pressure and a lot of crosses. Um, Cause we looked a bit panicky on the on set pieces and, and from from those sort of long balls on Tuesday, so I, I, can't, I can't see too much changing to be honest mate, apart from the cess one and potentially if miles is fit so it's going to be a tricky game. We know it's going to be, but as all the lads have said already, we always seem to step up against a bigger lot.
3: right well let's hear uh, how things are sort of uh, gearing up from a Derby county point of view now I' caught up with Callum uh, from Ram's talk during the week to find out a little bit more about Paul Warren's side. Joining us now on Charlton Live is Callum from the Rams Talk uh, podcast. Callum, uh, well, thanks for coming on. And, well, looking at your league status, I I imagine you're reasonably pleased with how the season's gone so far?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely brilliant. Uh, As I say, start of the season, um, five players signed before the season started and then, uh, what, 17 players signed on one day. Uh, Squads gelled together within the playoffs. I'm happy with the way it's going. Um, Obviously, a little bit of a... teeter in over the last couple of games but um but i think we'll 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 secure those playoff spots and hopefully try and get back up within one season
3: yeah um i mean you've mentioned that gone a couple of games now without a win but you're very much in in the mix i mean is the expectation still from derby fans that you can you can make a dart maybe even possibly for the top two
2: yeah that'll be the aim um if we can uh Obviously, you can maintain the pace of the top two who look like they're uh, kind of a league of their own at the moment. They're kind of keeping the, the, the pace fairly high. If we can uh, try and pick up the same amount of points and hopefully they drop them and, and we, we, have, we are due to play them, actually, within the back end of the season, if we can pick up those wins there. Um, and then go from there. It's just a case of I think at the moment the top two have got to come back to us as opposed to us catching them. So I think for now the job is to secure those playoff spots and then just see whether where it goes from there.
3: What have you made of Paul Wan since he came in? Obviously there was a, you know a disappointment I guess for a senior at the start of the season that that he wasn't given the job you know full time in the end. But um, yeah, Paul Wan, obviously a, a a grand sort of a, a point at, at this level.
2: Yeah, um, when his name was banded around, um, in terms of League One specialists, I don't think there is one out there that's uh, than him three three promotions within what his first four or five seasons, something like that. Um, so when he was banded around, it was one of those where if we can get him, I'll take him. It was a case of he's in the division above us at the time. So it was whether he actually saw the project um, of where Derby was at the time and, and goes from there. Um, when I look at um, Rossini and what he did, we, we are obviously all indebted to him for actually pulling the team together that he actually has in the squad we have um yes the style of play probably wasn't to the brand that the derby fans really wanted um and and paul warne's really got that energetic um high press um going um so it's a case of i think people have really taken to him people are Bit skeptical to start off with, but for now, um, I think uh, the the hype train is there, and Derby uh, fans are well and truly behind Paul Warren, and just see where he takes us, whether that's this season or next.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting as well. Obviously, a lot of talk about Derby this season is about the size of the crowds that you get in is still, you know, very impressive at, the, at this level. Obviously, we know that the takeover that, that went through at the start of the season and there was, when well, all sorts of chaos going on before then. <laughs> is there is is there has there been like a a return of the feel good factor at, at Pride Park because obviously that's something at, at Charlton was
2: still very much missing so we're we're looking on a bit enviously there yeah, um, I think with, with the two years, two well, two and a half years, nearly three years that we all went through uh, as Derby fans, um, I think we, we can only have dreamed of uh, having just some normality. Um, and normality for us would be just to have a regular season where we're not searching our phones, looking at potential owners coming in and, and stuff like that. So to have a bit of stability with a known and now who well and truly is a fan of the club and, and is a local businessman goes to... Home and away games with his wife, bless her, and uh, and also uh, goes to even the women's games on Sundays. That he's been seen there, so he really does have the club at first at heart, and uh, and has had to give up his his own season ticket um, seat that he, he had for years and years and years with his family to now obviously as an owner and the directors. Um, so for 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 yourself, at Charlton and stuff like that. Like I said, we we were there in terms of one instability, we've now got that. It's just a case of now trying to get back to a bit of normality because at the moment we can't um, actually transfer players with transfer fees, buy players, stuff like that. We're still free free transfers and loans. So uh, that's probably the the only stage that we're not quite of to normality yet. We can't really do everything in the market that we want to. So um, so we are kind of got the squad that we've got now and, and they're doing the dividends and we'll just see where they take us.
3: Mm. I mean, finally, then, just just looking ahead to Saturday, I guess even with those three signings, you've obviously picked up some some quality players. I was going to ask you which which ones are the the, the players that we should be looking out for. But I mean, looking at David McGoldrick, who's already got three hat-tricks this season, the, the, the League One Harland. I guess he's probably
2: right at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, David McGoldrick has been one of his own um, mainly at home. Away is a little bit more difficult, but at home he's definitely proved to be that uh, League One Harland status, as you said. Um, I think you're looking at the likes of Conor Horahan who, who in, in terms of League One, um, is is one of the uh, top players in terms of quality. Um, you've then got uh, Nathaniel Mendes Lang, who's also the same um, again coming from the Championship, but we've also got homegrown players that have proved to be um, Derby stalemates and in, in, in regulars within the first team. Jason Knight is an Ireland international we've managed to keep hold of. Max Bird, who's actually quite out-injured at the moment, so he won't be playing uh, Saturday, um, but he's also on. but we've also managed to get Harvey White from uh, from Tottenham uh, at the end of the on loan at the end of the transfer windows kind of fits that mould. So, so there are two or three standout players, um, but it's really the team dynamic and that Paul Warns really pulled together that will will do the job. Um, and, and it's just whether we can do the job and get a, a result on Saturday.
3: There we go. Thanks to Callum Bucock there for joining me uh, just to look ahead to the game against Derby. Uh, right we're pretty much coming up to the end uh, I, I, I'm enjoying uh, the prediction uh, from uh, from Davin saying you'd uh, we, like to see a 1-0 win up there like we like we saw against Sunderland uh, which would be uh, very nice Luke says uh, Callum seems like a lovely lad as well which I uh, wholeheartedly agree with he was a very nice chap uh, to speak
6: to so um,
3: l- let's go around quickly then just a, a very quick predictions from each of you Lewis first uh,
6: I want to go 1-0 Charlton
3: Lovely, jubbly. Nathan? Neil,
4: Neil. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <it>. No, nil. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, think, I think like one-all, one I reckon. I think it's going to be hard, but yeah. I reckon we'll get, sneak a little draw. Yeah,
5: Tom? I was going to say one-all, but uh, I'll say two-one, charm
4: Lovely,
3: jubbly. Dan saying if any team wins it, I reckon it'll be one at late on. Right, we've come to the end of this week's a big match preview. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in via the podcast uh, as per usual. Uh, thanks to those of you who tuned in on Catch Up Uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, on our first live stream. And particularly for those of you who've joined us for our first ever uh, live stream, I hope you've enjoyed it. I feel like it's gone okay, so I think we'll continue doing these. Um, Yeah, I'm really pleased with this new software, so I'm looking forward to being able to interact with you guys a bit more often. So we'll be back on Sunday. We'll confirm the time on our social medias, but I'm thinking about 10 o'clock in the morning to look back at the game uh, against Derby. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to have your say on that show as well. So email studio at CharltonLive.co.uk, tweet us at CharltonLive, or, of course, you can come onto our live stream on YouTube and put your comments in the comments section. Right, thanks very much to Lewis, to Nathan, and to Tom for joining me on our first ever live stream on YouTube.
6: Cheers, lads. Cheers, everyone.
4: Cheers, boys. Much love.
3: I'm Louis Mendez. Thank you for listening and for watching, and we shall see you again on Sunday. (laughs)
1: t <laughs> t